Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? Happy freaking Wednesday. I hope you guys are well, as always, and I appreciate you guys listening to this podcast, the award-winning Top Charting No Bad Dogs podcast with your host, Tom Davis. Lots going on for us on our end. Uh, we just launched some awesome new hoodies. We're launching a new video. We launched a new video on Monday. Uh, so lots going on for us, and we appreciate every single one of you for the support. The No Bad Dog Army is something special. We're creating something... Uh, so special. I've been saying that for years, but as we continue to grow and our distribution gets continually stronger, it's it's amazing to watch. So thank you guys so much from the bottom of my heart for helping me live my dream and, and help dogs all over the world. This episode uh, is great. This is with uh, two, you know, with a dog owners, a couple dealing with two dogs that are fighting and going after each other. So I go over, are they really fighting or are they just arguing? And the things that they need to do to, to start regaining control to make this situation safer and obviously less stressful for both of the dogs. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, if you guys haven't joined the official No Bad Dog Members Club, the link is in the description below. It is a subscription-based $19.99. You get, if you guys like my videos on YouTube, you'll love the Members Club because you get full access to the actual full videos, which are usually over an hour long. So click the link in the description. And thank you to my friends over at Dogtra for sponsoring this podcast. As you guys know, Dogtra is the company that I work with with my brand new Tom Davis 280C e-collar that we designed for the No Bad Dog Army. So y'all are the best. Hope you guys enjoy the podcast. And don't forget to listen to the end because I always answer your dog training questions that you left in the review column on iTunes. And if you guys want in the future for me to answer your questions, just go to iTunes and leave a review. And in the review... Leave your question. And I think on Spotify, they don't allow you to actually leave written reviews. But if you're listening to this on Spotify, of course, hit that uh, review button, I think. <laughs> Enjoy the podcast, guys. 12-year-old flat-coated retriever who's been with us for... Since she was four. Since she was three or four. And she was a rescue. Very tough rescue. We rehabbed her. She's great. She's got a bit of a hoarding problem, okay? Um we just adopted or took into our care my mom's Newfoundland, a uh, female about six years old. Um, both Bella, the, the flatty, and the Newfie seem to be pretty alpha. Um, they get along great. 
except when Bella goes into her hoarding mode, when there's food, when she's on a pillow or the couch or something, Bella starts to growl and, and Maxie does not back down. Maxie will come up and get in her face. And in the last week, I've had to physically throw myself between the two of them to break them up when they get fighting. Two minutes later, outside, they're best friends. 99% of the time, there's no problem. They don't, like, get into a tussle just moving around the house or anything like that. It's absolutely always when Bella goes into her hoarding mode, and then Maxie doesn't back down, and then they escalate. But we travel a lot. We're away from the house a lot. Uh, we don't want to come back to find a scene of devastation and destruction or damaged dogs or anything like that. So we're hoping to head this off at the pass since it's really just sort of started. But Bella has always been a hoarder. Well, we've been working with Bella for yeah. years. Like no avail. She's not any less. Yeah, I mean, I think just to give you a little bit more history on Bella, the flat-coated retriever, she was uh, um, a puppy mill rescue dog. So when we got her, she was completely shut down, terrified. I mean, she didn't come out of her room for about six months. Um, you know, when we worked with her to finally get her comfortable, we took her into training. Um, we did a lot of behavioral therapy with her, and she's great now. I mean, she's she's better. She's still very fearful. She is a fearful dog, um, but she's a lot better than she used to be. Um, we also have two other dogs. So we have four dogs in total. Um, the other dog is Murphy. He is a male dog. He's just very beta. And then we have a 21-year-old Shih Tzu who just loves everybody. So, um, and Bella loves all the other dogs. Bella, Bella loves dogs, actually. Dogs make her feel a lot more confident and comfortable. Um, but I think as Maxie, the newfie, has gotten more comfortable here, um, she's starting to assert herself, I think, a little bit more in a lot of little ways, which is which is fine. We don't mind, but like we just don't want them to get into battles. So I think we're dealing with two animals that are trying to both, you know, become alpha in the pack. Okay. So, how long have you had? How long have you had the um, the Newfoundland? The newfie, we've had her. Yeah, like six, seven months now. Okay. And has this been going on? Uh, Recently. I okay. would say within the last six to eight weeks. Yeah. I mean, we've noticed the newfie really come out of her shell. She's a lot more playful. She's a lot more affectionate. She makes eye contact. She plays with the other dogs all the time outside and everything's fine. But she's becoming a little bit more assertive as she kind of warms up. She's, you know, it was bad with my mom who was real sick, couldn't take care of her. So she's kind of had it rough. And now she's in a really nice, big, loving family and she's feeling her oats. And I think that's part of the problem, too. Okay. So you're dealing with resource guarding with yes. with Bella. And has yeah. and you said Bella's always had this. She's always had it and she's always been a fearful dog. And typically whenever we she's guarding something that's, you know, deemed precious to her, we will trade her with a high value treat and we're able to get it away from her. And then it calms the situation down. She's no longer guarding, so she's no longer stressed. Um, but it could be over anything. Like they got into a fight the other day over a piece of lettuce. <laughs> that had fallen to the ground. I mean, you know, and it's not like Bella wanted the lettuce. She just didn't want new, the newfie to have the lettuce. So, right. you know. So it's she's just, not, yeah, she's just not used to having, she's just not, she's, she's just not used to having other dogs in the house. And I think that that's where that usually comes from. It's kind of like kids is they have. Uh, no, we've got two other dogs. We've always had the other dogs. In fact, we got, we got Murphy 
um, to help Bella in her recovery because it's it Bella's a lot calmer and and warms up to people if another dog kind of approves of them. So Bella's all, and you know and before we got Murphy we had our other set of dogs and we were always having dogs and so Bella's always been in the house with dogs but everyone's been real beta and has kind of like Murphy Murphy doesn't even blink he ignores her when she when she goes into hoarding mode because he knows what she's doing. It's just that Maxie you know, thinks she's being, you know, someone's up, getting up all, all up in her grill and she's not going to back down. And she, she comes up and she's like, what'd so, you say to me? So has she had, has Bella had these problems with the other dogs or just the Newfie? No, because no one else engages with her. Only the Newfie stands up for herself and says, you're not growling at me and like gets, physically gets up at her. Okay. Okay. Um, so what is your ultimate goal? Your ultimate goal is to probably just have this stop happening i would assume right i mean yeah it, it doesn't happen often um and you know it, it we you know like i said we have dog sitters come in and stuff we just don't want a scene to happen we'd like to get this nipped in the bud yeah. so that either either maxi stops reacting or maybe we could work on bella's hoarding but bella's always been a hoarder so if there's any work to be done it's probably going to be easier on the maxi end because she's also real obedient Okay, and the yeah. what, the Newfie's name is what? Maxie? Maxie. And I will say this. Maxie's about 140 pounds. Bella's about 50 pounds. But they're both really strong, and they're really powerful. And I just – we don't want them to hurt each other. Sure. That, at the end of the day, we just want to keep them safe. Okay, so, so with Maxie's obedience um, – what does that look like? Is it is it pretty good? You, what can you guys do with Maxie on and off leash? Um, well, okay. So, you know, she wasn't really a leash dog. She was just kind of hanging out at my mom's house. Um, but she's, she did go through obedience training when she was a puppy. So she sits, she stays, she comes, she waits. Um, and she has absolutely in the craziest way I've ever seen with any dog, totally bonded with me and literally follows me like my shadow around the house and does whatever I say until she gets into that tussle. And then all the screaming doesn't do any good. You know, I grab her and I pull her off Bella and then she relaxes. One time I had to pull Bella off of Maxie and kind of, you know, sit on Bella until she calmed down. But then the switch went off in her head and she was okay. But um, Maxie will, you know, until Bella's growling at her and Maxie's like, oh, what are you doing? You talking shit to me. She's very obedient. She'll do what I say. But if, once the switch goes off, it gets a little bit more difficult. Okay. So the, so the obedience is, is, okay up until there's an issue is what you're saying yeah and this is the only issue we've really had okay. um so this is the only thing we've been able to test the obedience with okay so what what i would suggest when you're dealing with resource guarding especially when there's that many dogs in the house uh it can get kind of chaotic for you guys and what are the triggers uh, because i i think personally for me the one of the best things to do is to try to be proactive and get anything and we heard a crash we didn't know what it was a dog there was a there's a squirrel outside so they got very excited as far as the triggers and stuff go i mean is is it realistic for you guys to remove because uh, i'm just trying to be proactive no, and any, anything we don't know what is going to be a trigger till she decides it's a trigger it could okay. be a pillow it could be an envelope Sometimes she guards me, and that causes a problem with Maxie because Maxie's very bonded with me. So it there's a little piece, ownership. It was a piece of lettuce the other day. Yeah, I mean, it really could be anything. You know, one time mm -hmm. Bella was guarding the couch, and Maxie got a little too close to the couch, and that set her off. So, 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Got it. So what I would start doing is, is really start to, again, be proactive to try to eliminate any triggers that you can. Uh, and that's kind of like a preference and, and discretionary on your lifestyle because you guys will ultimately decide what you feel comfortable taking away or putting in and implementing. Because if you have two dogs that are starting to fight, I always suggest to just eliminate any any possible triggers. So couches, uh, beds, toys, treats, uh, things like bones, things like that. Those are the types of things that are going to create problems. Uh, the other the other thing is is when you're dealing with. Well, hold on a second. Okay. We can't really get rid of a couch. So no, no, no. That's not like... that's not that's not what I was saying. I was saying get rid of getting the dog on the couch. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't implying that you remove your furniture from your house. I was just oh, saying. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, you know, for good or ill, we're a very, it's okay to be on a furniture kind of house. The dogs sleep in the bed. The dogs right. are up on the couch. We're watching TV, stuff like that. Um, so that might be a little difficult, but again, the problem is, you know, unless we take everything out of the house she could she could do it on anything and then she could pick you know if the house were totally empty she could pick a particular floorboard in in the floor that she likes and guard that and we'd still have the problem i mean it's it's not any particular object it's whatever bella decides at that given moment right and like a i understand and like a it's like an an equation though so the more variables you have in the mix that could be a trigger there will be a trigger so you're ex- you're exposing the more triggers you expose to the situations, the more problems you're going to have. Is what I'm saying. So again, mm-hmm. if you are if you choose to do the bed and the couch and those things, those are more triggers that you're choosing to put into the mix that could potentially cause a conflict. Gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, and 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 like I said, that's why I said in the beginning, I just said, hey, you, you know, I'm a dog owner myself, and and. You know, it's 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 really discretionary on your end. That's why I wanted. That's why I was just putting that out there. I'm not saying, hey, you can never do this. Sure. And no more couch. I'm just saying, just be mindful moving forward. And I understand that the triggers or the protectiveness kind of comes from random situations. But what I'm saying is, just moving forward, just be conscious and mindful about the situations that you put the dogs in moving forward, because that could be some of those triggers. So if you can eliminate any of the triggers, of course, I would suggest to do so. So, okay. So let's move, let's move to, to Bella becoming reactive because the other thing about what, what you're saying is, is if it's not anything that you can specifically target or isolate to say, like you said, like, you know, like it could be a floorboard or it could be the wall one day, who knows? that's where your obedience has to come into place because basically it's, it's a loaded gun. You right. never know when it's going to happen. Right. You never know why it's going to happen. Um, so there's two things I would do is how much, uh, and, and I know that you said that you're not walking them a ton. How, how much uh, leash stuff do you do with them? Because I think getting them out, particularly Maxie and Bella, because it sounds like the other dogs are like kind of watching the situation how much time do you spend with them on the leash to kind of build their relationship up outside? Well, we have, we have huge fenced in yards, so we really don't do a lot of leash stuff around the house. We let them out. And again, 
two seconds after they're fighting, they go out. There's never a problem in the yard. They're buddies. They play. Mm -hmm. It's great to watch. They hang out in the yard together. They'll hang out in the house together 90% of the time, 95% of the time. Yeah, and when the weather's nice, we do take Bella and one of our other dogs, uh, Murphy, for walks. Um, we really haven't taken Maxie out on a walk yet just because of the weather. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It sucks up here even more. <laughs> but, I mean, we're not opposed to taking the two of them out together on leashes if that's what you're recommending. But they're very they're very friendly every other time except when Bella gets triggered and Maxie doesn't back down. You know, they, yeah. they, they're they out there now chasing the squirrel together and they play and it's, it's, it's great. It's just these couple of instances where it gets serious very quickly. Okay. But what what can we do on the leash? I mean, you know, let us know what we could or should be doing. Yeah. Uh, one question before we get into that. When they do go after each other and have this, uh, I guess, spat, if you will, what's the outcome? I mean, it, are we talking like injuries, blood? What's going on? I mean, what, what happens? Well, I mean, we like, like, like hardcore, you know, aggressive physical separation is required. You know, they, I haven't seen any damage on them. Someone got me in one of the tussles. I got a scratch on my arm. Um, but literally, I've had to get between them and kind of let my body sink down between them as they're kind of entwined mm. to get them separate. We pull them off. We calm them down. And they're groovy. At that point, Bella will calm down a little bit more quickly than Maxie. Maxie will – Maxie holds a grudge. Yeah. Maxie is is known, and my mom knew this. Maxie will hold a grudge, so Maxie will keep an eye on Bella, and like I'll watch Maxie watching Bella for like ten minutes after the thing, and then she relaxes. But there is that little bit of extra grudge holding on Maxie's part after the fact. Yeah, and we typically will then completely separate them. Like I will take Bella, I'll put her on a leash, I'll take her upstairs and put her in a bedroom, and then one time I had to give her like a little bit of a Xanax just so she would calm down, and then they and. And then, you know, maybe a few hours later, we would bring them together again and they were fine. Okay. So, it, so it, but I, we do separate them. We physically separate them and we put them in separate rooms so they can't even look at each other. Okay. Because if we do, because, because they'll keep going after each other, they'll keep snarling at each other. Okay. So, but there hasn't been any injuries with the, with the arguments here. I mean, not that we're aware of, maybe some scratches here and there. I haven't seen blood. I haven't seen any of that, but... I mean, they do bare teeth. They do get very aggressive. Um, it would not be out of the realm of possibility for either one of them to hurt the other. If left, them, if it left in their own devices, yeah. Yeah, they would. We're, we're, we're longtime dog people. We know the difference between that play, and we know exactly what it looks and sounds and feels like when they switch over and they're not playing anymore. And these guys go very quickly to the not playing point. Okay. Yeah, and I, I'm just more concerned and focused on the, the intentions behind it. I'm not... I'm not mm -hmm. trying to distinguish the difference between if they're rough playing or they're actually pissed at each other. Sure. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to figure out when dogs are going after each other, especially a Newfoundland and another dog, they have the ability to rip each other's limbs off and they're not. So that's what that's why I'm trying to really focus on when they do get into an argument, if you, you know, air quotes argument, and they get into a little scuffle, there's no injuries, which means that tells me that it is just an argument. They're actually not trying to hurt each other so far because they would have if they wanted to. So that there's a big there's a big difference. Yeah, yeah. So there's different variables, just like you were saying. I know the difference between them play fighting and fighting. Like obviously that's a two different spectrum variable. But my point is is there's also variables to 
a fight, if you will. Gotcha. You know what gotcha. I mean? So, yep. so I'm just I'm I'm putting that out there just more for your guys's um, benefit to just let you yep. know that dogs who really want to get after each other will typically try to hurt the other dog as soon as possible. And if they've had, let's say, five different spats and nobody's gotten injured, that's information to look at moving forward that, hey, look, you know, they have got, and I understand that 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 doesn't mean that it couldn't happen and it doesn't mean that it won't happen in the future. All I'm saying is as a professional looking in on the situation, you have two dogs that can severely hurt each other fairly quickly and they're choosing not to for a reason. So it looks violent. It sounds violent. It's loud and uh, it sucks. It's, it's traumatic, but at the same time, these are two animals that can hurt each other pretty quick and they're not. So two things. So number one, are they not hurting each other because we're stepping in or could they have hurt each other immediately before we even step in is what you're saying? Yeah, it's a good question. And and I'm not sure, but like I said, I, I just think considering the amount of times that these two dogs have thrown teeth at each other, in the intentions of where they're going with it and they're not puncturing each other and making each other bleed that tells me that it's it's a it's an it's a it's a it's an argument it's cuz that's how dogs do that they will raw 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 show teeth and and they look like they're tearing each other apart and it sounds even worse but they're not cuz if they were they would have done it <laughs> so it. when i see dogs actually intentionally go after another dog it by the time you get to them their their teeth are already sunk in so my point is, is you could have, you could have, um, you know, a couple incidences where it's like you did get there before it got worse or whatever. But my point is, is out of the amount of times that they've got into an, uh, a little argument and neither of them have walked away with any injuries tells me information that they're not really trying to like kill each other. Not saying that it couldn't happen. All I'm saying is, is that it is information because they're, yep. they're choosing not to hurt each other. So it's more of a correction, I guess, if, if anything. And you see that a lot, like in our daycare, you see dogs running around and maybe one dog will mount the other dog and try to hump them. And the other dog will turn around, growl, snarl, take their teeth, pin the dog, put it on the ground. The other dog goes, arr, 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 and then they run away. It wasn't a fight. Nobody was injured. It was just in a correction. So I'm just, I'm just putting that out there to you guys. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's not necessarily a correction because I've seen that too. This is neither one of them are backing down. Mm-hmm. There's no like, okay, you win, you've got the dominant, I'm going to back off. That's not happening. They're both like, I want, I want to be dominant, right? They're both, you know, fighting for that alpha power at that point. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I, all I'm saying is, is looking at the situation, neither of them are actually, yeah, I get it. they're not but, actually doing you know, anything. Yep. yep. Nope. They're not. Because if they were, yeah. we we would be having different conversations. You would say, "Oh, I think they're, I think they're scaring the shit out of us." Sure. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's essentially what I'm trying to nicely say. Is you it, it th- these things are happening, and again, you get these two dogs. You get it's just like I don't know, kind of like anything else. Like if it's happening over and over and over again, and the outcome is never any injuries then the the intense the intensity of the fight that tells me a lot that's all i'm saying as a professional dealing with behavior modification if these guys are is it telling you is it telling you that they're trying to fight for dominance or no it just it's just telling me that they're actually probably not trying to really kill each other they're just they're just 
they're just pissed off at each other. So again, like a, a piece of lettuce falls, right? And then Bella says, don't touch that lettuce. That's my lettuce. And Maxie's like, don't tell me what to do. It's like exactly. it's like siblings, right? And then they and this whole thing happens, and you guys are freaking out because you think they're killing each other. But again, if you take a handful of these incidences and not, neither of them have walked, you got to think these dogs can break your bone instantly if they wanted to. They can they can they can put your your hand in their mouth and and snap your hand. The fact that they're going after each other that many times without walking away with one puncture wound tells me, again, that they're not actually trying to, like, really kill each other. That doesn't mean it can't get to that point. I'm just giving an observation yep, that yep, when yep, I have I these co- when point. I have these conversations, it, it, it normally these conversations are, my dog attacked the other dog and put it in the hospital for two months or oh, whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, so the, these yeah, things... Not, yeah. Right, these things yeah, aren't okay. happening. Nobody's going to the vet. There's not even a drop of blood, which tells me that they're just pissed at each other and they're arguing like siblings. Yeah, I so, think you're right. Cool. So what I would do is kind of going back is I, and that, and again, that's just an observation. I'm not saying that it could never get that. I'm just saying, you know, that's my job is to tell you what I'm hearing. What I would do is, um, so, and I, and I understand the big backyard and the exercise and that's great. But when you're trying to develop a better relationship between two dogs, one of the best ways to do it is to, is you guys provide that. So if they're outside and they're romping around and they're playing or just sniffing or peeing and pooping, just being dogs, that's great. That's a different That's a different uh, environment, though, that if you put them on the leash together and you go out and you start giving them structure together because it kind of makes them a little bit more balanced with each other. Gotcha. Gotcha. So just take them out, you know, just for little walks or take them into the yard and put them through some obedience drills. What would be the best thing? Yeah, I think a, I think a little bit of both because it's kind of like, again, I'm, I'm thinking about this as siblings is you have, you know, two siblings that are not. No, I'm the I'm the tough guy of the house. No, I'm the tough guy of the house. And then what you guys have to do is say, actually, neither of you are in charge. <laughs> we right. are in charge. Are. Yeah. Yes. yes. So so by go. So picture it like this. You have two dogs again that are like. I do what I want. No, I do what I want. Don't tell me what to do. No, you tell me what to do. Whatever. So then you guys, as air quotes, parents, put both of them on the leash and you start walking out the door and they're like, I'm going to go first. No, I'm going to. And they start kind of having this internal. And then you guys go, sit, stay. And now, now everything is taken off the table of what they want to do. Now it's all up to you guys. Does that make sense? Gotcha. So little, yes, that actually does. Yeah, that, that's so very clever. Little, little, little tiny things like that. Whenever you guys can get both of these dogs around and hold them accountable for very basic obedience, it mm-hmm. tells it tells them that you guys are are actually driving the ship here, and and they're they're not. It's not going to completely take away the problems that you're dealing with, but it will have significant differences on. When you say when you holler and you say knock it off or when you holler and say whatever, because if you guys aren't doing that throughout the day, which means if you're not putting them on a leash and holding them accountable and telling them what they can and can't do, they will have this internal battle between each other to try to figure out who's in charge. When really you guys should be taking the steering wheel every day to tell them that you're in charge until they can start really coexisting better with you guys at the top of the, the chain. Gotcha. Does that gotcha. make, so little tiny things. It's not yep. it's not this like special thing that you can go in and do this one thing and things will change. 
I think just putting them together, one of you handle one, one of you handle the other, and you go out and you start working. So say you both walk towards the door. Again, this is the other example I was just saying, is you put them both in a sit-stay until you break them through, and then you go outside and you tell them that they both have to heal next to you politely until you release them on a break. Having them both be under the same... It's kind of like if you had two knuckleheads go to the military and they thought they were big and bad. But the reality is, is once the drill sergeant's standing in front of you, they're actually in unity with one, and one's not above the other. There's actually just right. one person in charge. Right. Does that make sense? That does. That does. Okay, great. That so having... So, so, so it's not, it's not necessarily like, I'm just giving you examples of exercises you can do to start developing a, a better relationship between the two dogs and B, give you guys your leverage back. Cause I, I, again, I completely understand the benefits of having a fenced in backyard. And for the other dogs up until Maxie got there, it was great. There was no, you weren't dealing with this kind of who's in charge type thing or, yep. you, you know, but now that you are. You have to say, okay, kind of. It's kind of like we're gonna go back to school now, because you, yeah. you know what I mean. You guys are yeah. kind of spiraling out of control, doing what you want, coming home past curfew, talking back, fighting, <laughs> you know, fighting with each other in front of mom and dad. And you say, okay, now we're gonna go back down to school, if you will. Yep. Yep. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, is that's not anything that, that I'm sorry. Let me start that whole sentence again. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that is something that we should do between the two problematic dogs. We don't need to bring Murphy out there on a leash and include him on it. We just need to work with Bella and Maxie, correct? It sounds like it, but yeah. I, I mean, it's not going to hurt because like I said before, if you have a, you have a pack of four dogs, even if you had a pack of 10 dogs, I think just period, especially with Bella and Max, Maxie, you're going to be doing this more often, but I think periodically just the leash provides the discipline, accountability, and structure of you guys have to, you're kind of reconditioning them, you know, you're tuning them back up, like, hey, and it's not, it's it's nothing crazy, you just go out and you just reestablish that actually they don't fly through the door because it's open, and they don't get out of their sit because they see a squirrel, and they don't pull you down the road because they feel like it, so the answer is, yeah, I mean, I think if just the two dogs are having a problem, then you could really focus on Bella and Maxie, but it would be beneficial to kind of go out in interim, just kind of every other day, maybe switching the dogs out, just so you guys just have better control and more respect between the pack. Okay. So it wouldn't hurt, sense. but I mean, yeah. def definitely focus on the two that are having some I'm in charge issues. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Excellent. Excellent. Um, well, that all makes really, really good sense. And those are good practical things that we can definitely start doing, even even sub-zero up here. Anything else, you know, in this kind of situation, or is there anything you would recommend to, to even maybe get Bella to dial back? You know, it's been a lifelong feature, her hoarding thing, and, mm. and we just sort of like, you know, we're used to it now, and we know how to deal with it. But, you know, any, anything on that? Yeah, I think... Again, when when I'm looking at these situations, one of the things I asked you earlier is how how good is the obedience and how much you're putting. Like again, like the leash is your is your main communication line. That's your mm -hmm. main contact, right? So it's kind of like if you were saying to somebody like, "Oh, you know, I'm not really getting any feedback from my brother across the country. You know, he's not answering the phone. He's not paying attention. He's not engaging. He's not communicating." Right now, you guys aren't picking up the phone with your dogs at all. 
So, so this communication that you're going to be doing on the leash is really going to give them valuable feedback. So with that being said, I think just basic obedience to like, okay, so say you I'm paint a picture, say, say you guys are in the kitchen and you see Bella and Maxie are standing there. Well, you already know that, you know, a blueberry drops on the ground and there's a problem that's going to detonate a situation potentially. So your obedience you know, going back to working back on the leash, getting them tuned up, getting them to pay attention and, and be in charge and in control is going to help. So let's say you had a place command, which is a very simple, basic behavior that the dog goes to a bed, right? Yep. So yep. you're sitting in the kitchen and you're prep, prepping food, dinner, lunch, breakfast, whatever. And they're both sitting there licking their chops and you're like, okay, this isn't good. So you could say, Bella, go to your bed, Maxie, go to your bed, whatever, and then stay. So if you had those, if you, those are two very basic behaviors that I think every dog should be learning before six months, sending okay. your dog to an isolated area, like a bed, sometimes a crate, whatever. And you tell them to stay. Well, ultimately, again, we don't know, like you said, it could be a freaking, a fork on the counter. And she's like, Oh, that's my fork. But again, trying not to, f- if you don't have any consistent triggers and, it, and they're actually not making any sense, what you have to do is then trump all of that with, obedience and control okay that would be very 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 helpful to say you you go to your bed you you know kind of like kids right you get brother brother and sister that are you know whatever and you say okay you go to your room you go to your room and you kind of diffuse the situation and then you you guys as the owners can kind of focus back on whatever you guys need to do cook dinner or whatever so i so my answer is is getting back down to the basics because if you if you had a more specific trigger I'd be able to dial this in a little bit more. I know. You know what I'm saying? But, but as, as an overall things, it just sounds like Bella's like, well, I'm, you know, I've, I've, cause with the other dogs, if she shows her teeth or growls and the other dogs walk away, she's actually, you guys have had this problem forever, but it's not, it's not been a problem because the other dogs disengage. Now Maxie's in the mix, big Maxie. And she's like, well, I'm not backing down because I'm a lot bigger. I'm a lot bigger than you. Exactly. So, so now you you have to have those controls to say, Bella, go to your bed. And if you feel like Bella is the aggressor, if you will, or the person mm-hmm. who's really, you know, and, and if Maxie's laying with the other two dogs sleeping while you guys are throwing food around and she doesn't care, then really, it, again, it kind of goes back down to si- si- sibling rivalry and you guys having the control to say, if you do, if you can't play nice, you can't play at all. Go to your room. Type yeah. thing. That, I mean, I know that it. You just have to, and I know it's hard because then you get one dog in the place and then you get the other dogs just being dogs. But again, you have to have the ability and control to say, Bella, if you're going to try to go after and hurt Maxie and you and whoever else is in the house could potentially get nipped or nicked or get stitches because of this, it it is totally fair and warranted for you to say, Bella, again, if you can't play nice, go to, you know, you can't play at all. This is what's happening. If you can't handle yourself around these situations, then you're not you're not going to be allowed to be in these environments. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, that all makes really really good sense. And clearly, you know, we do we are pretty lax, and we've had a really good pack. And Maxie has kind of come in, and she's a great dog, but she's kind of caused these disruptions. But yeah. like I said, we haven't done a lot of leash stuff. Everyone has been very kind of self sustaining. We do obedience when we first get the dogs, but sure. everyone has been fine. And now all of a sudden, this gets in the mix. So I'm sure some of it is also we need to kind of you know retune our mm-hmm. disciplinarian 
our interdisciplinarian and just kind of crack down a little bit more too because we do play fast and loose. Yeah, I'll admit it. Yeah, I'll and it's it. and it's okay, and it's totally. And here's the thing, and just as a reminder, is, is and I tell people all the time, it's totally fine to, like, if you have unicorn dogs that you can get them on the bed and eat from your whatever, and you have no problems. I don't. Who am I to say what's wrong or right? I don't care. But right. when you start having problems, and I yep. start looking at these situations, and I go, okay, well, here's you know, here's some things that you guys should start considering to change. Those are things that you should start doing. The other thing that I was going to mention um, before I forget is putting her on the leash and working on impulse control around potential triggers that you know, like, again, food, toys, balls. So the other dogs are outside. You have Bella inside on your leash set up. And you 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 say, Bella, sit. She puts her butt on the ground. Or maybe she doesn't. And then immediately you have an opportunity to hold her accountable. So you tell her to sit and she doesn't. You say, hey, what am I, chopped liver? She goes into a sit, which she would probably do right now. Mm-hmm. And, and then you take a ball, you take a blueberry, you take a treat, you take a piece of beef liver, whatever it is. You tell you say, Bella, stay, which means you have to stay in this position until I release you, mm-hmm. right? And then you and then you throw that item, like the ball or whatever, and she gets up. Those are things you can start working on after this phone call immediately. Gotcha. Yep. So telling yep. her, so so again, because I think it would it would make a less free for all, right? When something hits the ground right now, again, because of your 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 lifestyle with the dog so far, it is kind of a free for all. Though the, the hey, free game, right? Yep. Yep. So when something like that happens, she's not used to she's not used to you saying like, hey, you can't have that until I release you. So basic impulse control on the leash with items that your dog absolutely loves, not around the other dogs because you don't want to create more tension. You're, you're going to be doing this separately with Bella. Just gotcha. just yep, putting yep, yep. And, and just doing a very simple sit-stay break. You say sit, she sits. You say stay, she stays. You throw the item, and she can't get it until you say break. And that will also really, really help some of these situations where, again, if anything kind of falls on the ground right now, it's like, it's like, you know, entering the, the shark pit. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the octagon. Exactly. Yeah. So, so things like that too, I think would be very, very, very helpful for you guys to start again, just taking, taking things back into your own hands and saying, Hey, we're not putting up with this. You're not fighting her because you listen to me. This is how this is going to go. Yep. Yep. You know, we actually both turned to each other at one point and said, I think we need to be the alphas again in this pack. So I think we kind of we kind of sense that, but these are really, really excellent explanations as well as concrete examples of what we can be doing. So I really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, no yeah. problem. No problem. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, any other thoughts, observations, or comments? Because uh, I'm ready to go grab the leash and, <laughs> and treat and just start doing it. No, no. I think I think you gotta. It, yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? You you guys yeah. again. You have this last cold days cold kind of lifestyle, which is again totally fine. I have that with my dogs for the most part as well. But once you start seeing problems, then it's like, okay, we need to we need to tighten things up a little bit. The only yeah. question I would have for you is, what uh, leash and collar setup do you have? Like, what do you guys usually use? We use the um, what's the name of it? Ah, 
It's the kind. It's not. It's not a choke collar, but it's the kind that kind of slides and tightens. Martin Gale. Martin Gale. Martin. Yeah. Yep. Cool. We got Martin Gale collar, and then um, you know everyone's got their own little leash. Maxi. Maxi is really big and thick, so we kind of have the adopted leash and stuff for her. But we can find a big size Martin Gale. Um, but we've got that for Bella and um, and just you know regular leashes with grips. Um, we've got one with like, um, a, a forward loop and a back loop, you know, if we really need to control them. So, yeah, uh, that's great. I, the only thing I would say is, is make sure, you know, when you guys are working with, with Bella and Maxie, Maxie in particular, cause she's so strong is make mm -hmm. sure that like, so for an example, if you say Bella sit and she sits and you say stay, and then you throw the ball and she's getting up every single time and the correction isn't working, you know, when you pop mm -hmm. your leash, just make sure that you guys graduate to other pieces of equipment that's really going to hold the dog accountable. Because okay. essentially it comes down to consequences over the reward. And of course, chasing the $100 bill and somebody saying, I'm going to take away a penny from you isn't going to matter to her. So just make right. sure that if you're doing this and you're, because this is what happens. People get frustrated. They go and do this stuff. But the consequences or the correction that you're providing to the dog isn't meaningful enough. So they're not actually going to stop what they're doing and look at you and say, okay, I'm sorry for making a mistake. What do you want me to do? So that's the only um, last thing I would say to you is just be conscious of that as you progress to make sure that your consequences for the dog's are actually effective. So give me an example of what, um, you know, if the Martingale doesn't work, what would you suggest, you know, as far as equipment or, or yep. so dollars the, or stuff? Yeah, my, my favorite starting point would be just the slip leash. Just you can get them literally anywhere. Amazon, okay. uh, PetSmart, Petco. It's it's a basic. It's like the Martingale, except it has full slips, and it's an actual it's an actual leash that you attach. Um, okay. We right now are sold out on our website, but we usually have them. Um, so you could just go uh, if you don't live in an area that has these big box stores like Petco and PetSmart. You could just go on Amazon and look up Mendota slip leash. And that, okay. that's going to provide, just put it nice and snug right behind the ears. I have a ton of videos on, on how to fit it and how to use it um, on YouTube. And so that's the next step for you is to maybe move out of the Martingale and, and then go to the slip. Okay. Great. Great, great, great. Sweet. Well, Excellent. all right. Well, it was it was lovely talking to you guys. It sounds like Thank you're, you so much. you're getting ready really to appreciate your help. get to work. Yeah, no problem at all. Good luck with everything, okay? Thank you very much. Have a great day. You as well. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, you guys, you have reached the end of the podcast, which means I'm going to answer three of your dog training questions. Here we go. So No Bad Dogs podcast is amazing. This is NTH Conway. One out of three questions we're answering today. Uh, this is, uh, okay, cool. So, hey, Tom, love the podcast and content and your philosophy of training. I got a three-year-old lab pit mix from a rescue three months ago, and your podcast has opened my eyes to many things in regards to how I need to establish a foundation and relationship with him. And it's hard, but I want to do it. <laughs> I just have a few questions. Is it okay to use a prong collar on a timid dog? I have seen you use this with a timid pit in a YouTube video, and I think it may help me and my dog, and we don't want to scare him. When we first got him, we walked so well in a harness by my side, but loud noises and other things, loud bangs in the neighborhood actually made him pretty nervous. Um, so I'm just rewinding here. Do, 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 do. I have started using a Hermspringer 2.25 and working on heel with him in our house, and I'm just unsure if he is nervous when I put the collar on him. He has gotten also aggressive with friends and family. Uh, okay, so the question is, is, can you use a prong collar on an insecure dog, or maybe what are some alternatives? Should I find a prong collar trainer, uh, or can I learn from your videos? So it's a great question, and th the answer is, you know, like as you guys know with my with my podcast and with my videos, 
it's hard for me to say exactly what you should or shouldn't be doing, but my advice is, yes, you can use the prong, but my first... So the, the reason why I switched from a slip collar to a prong collar is the safety of the dog. So if I so the Pitbull episode on my YouTube channel is a great episode of a dog that was very actually got a lot of uh, a lot of publicity uh, because people were like I, I basically was just telling people like you can it's okay to use a prong collar on an insecure nervous dog because when their fight or flight instincts uh, kick in and the dog tries to escape out of any 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 nervous or or fearful kind of circumstances it disables the dog and dismantles the dog's uh flight resources and and that is okay to do if the flight resources are happening from things that the dog actually shouldn't be afraid of so if there's somebody sitting in the room that you're in and they're trying to leave the room that's where using a prong collar is going to be safer to continue to progress the dog and stop enabling them to escape out of situations that they can get over so it's just like again i talk about this a lot It'd be like a kid clinging on to the minivan as they're trying to go to kindergarten for the first time. I mean, obviously, it is uncomfortable. Maybe they don't want to go. They want to stay at home with mom all day. But it's something that they have to get over. And once they do, again, so like using a prong collar on an insecure dog so they can't flee, once they get over that hump, they go, oh, this isn't so bad. And then everything that they thought that they were afraid of gives you a template to actually overcome some of these problems. So I would just... Yeah, you can use my videos. Um, I understand not many people have the resources and the in the skills uh, around them to help. Um, so I would just recommend using a slip leash. Uh, just get like a Mendota slip leash, or if you're listening to this uh, when my podcast or when my website has the R slips, you can put them on there. Get get one of those. Uh, but yeah, I would start with a slip and then graduate to a prong if you feel like the dog is just escaping the situations. But you also have to be very mindful about what you're asking this dog to do. So just make sure that you're doing very basic things um, and maybe revisit that Pitbull video. All right, the next question is from Alyssa G. One, two, three, four, five. Love the podcast. Hello, I love the podcast. It's very inspired me to work perfectly on perfecting obedience with my dogs and a lot of principles are even applicable to horse training. I got my beagle as an adult and she's very apparently never been leash trained. I feel horrible about it. And when I first got her, I trained her to heal with just a prong collar before she understood the command. We're going back to the basics and training heal with food and motivation, but she's not really getting that. I want her to, to heal and it seems like she thinks she's not supposed to pull. I can't tell her whether she's being d- dense or really isn't understanding because she's not intelligent and she's not LOL and needs more time. I'm ineffective communicating. Should I lower my standards of what heal means and pay her when she's in the vicinity of fine-tuning perfection later on? Y- yes. The answer is yes. You should go back down to the basics. Like when you're dealing with a, a hound or a beagle or these dogs who really aren't, I don't want to say they're not built for obedience because of course every dog can be obedient, but I think it's their intentions as beagles or hunting dogs are to actually just run away from you and find things. And so their innate-ness is, is, is something that you have to constantly battle. So I would say go back inside, pay for the one, two, three, break, one, two, three, four, break, one, two, three, four, five, break, etc., and really capture that inside until you transfer it. Um, so yeah, my, my suggestion for you is to go back, spend about a week and a half fine-tuning the obedience inside without distractions, and uh, I think that that would, that would be helpful for you. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> okay. 
Huge fan, learning the right something, I think, way. R. Charin. Hi, Tom. Huge fan of the podcast and work in the work that you do. I have a nine-month-old female pit bull mix named Chickpea and been working with a great trainer and listening to your podcast. I've seen dramatic improvements in my dog. In particular, I want to thank you for your work in educating people on the prong collar. When my trainer recommended it, I felt absolutely terrible and like a bad dog parent, but using it truly changed her in my life forever. And now I realize when my dog u- uses it correctly, it's actually the right tool for many dogs including me. Well, that's always great to hear, so thank you so much. All right, to the question. My issues were starting to work on this point, mostly to have her separation anxiety from me, something that has come up and and has started to pee whenever anyone is not me puts her on the leash. She is potty trained and never actually does this. This is like a piddle thing, you guys. Um, This started coming up after I went away for a weekend, and my roommate, who Chickpea loves, took care of her. She would run away from my roommate asking to go out uh, and even peeing in her crate, which she never, ever does. I've tried working on this just to get Chickpea more used to my roommate walking with us and trying to have her put on the leash quickly, but she has still been submissive peeing. I feel like actually seeing her submissive pee once, and I was home, and the roommate tried to put the leash on her, and Chickpea ran over to me and lied on her back and then peed while my roommate put it on. Okay, so on another note for background, I used to use her a sock of mine for separation anxiety and a stuffed animal and she's teething and she rips everything apart. Um, Okay, curious if you think it's a puppy thing and she'll grow out of it or it's something that we'll have to continue to work on. So good question about submissive peen. At nine months, I think it's more of a, it's more of a submissive, submissive thing than it is a puppy thing. Um, my biggest suggestion to you is when anybody, including your roommate goes up to her, really make sure that they're not talking to her and looking at her and engaging with her because that's going to make her feel more insecure. You really have to make sure that this person is just going over, putting the leash on and then walking away. So the, so the less communication. So basically think about your dog, like, a like a gas tank. And when she submissive pees, that's when it boils over, right? The, the, the gas goes over the tank. So when somebody, and I'm making this up on the fly, I've never said it like this, but when somebody goes up and starts talking to her, that's filling the tank. If they're looking at her, that, that's filling the tank. If they're praising her, that's filling the tank. Um, so what I would do is when people go up, don't fill the tank, just put the leash on and then walk away. And I think that that's the best thing to do. I also would suggest having your roommate take the collar or take the leash on and off. Don't just, if you're only working on this once a week, once a day, where your roommate puts the leash on and then walks outside, you only have one opportunity to work on it. So what I would do is have her put it on, take it off, hold, you know, maybe put a harness on her and hold her with the harness, put it on, take it off and have this person just continue to just sit there with her, not talk to her, maybe watch TV or something and just take it on and off. Um, That's my, that's my suggestion to you. All right, you guys, so that's the three stuff. Don't worry, I will get to your questions next time. If you guys want me to answer your specific questions, go over to the iTunes, leave a review, and leave your question in the comments. Thank you guys so much for listening again. I'll talk to you on Monday. Thank you guys so much. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.